You are listening to 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card, right here at Otterbein in Westerville, Ohio. I got some great news. We just moved the WOBN.net domain to TNC Media, which is the school news program. So if you ever want to listen to Retrospection Radio Hour, or if you want to listen to any of the other shows like Money's Morning Show, then great way to catch them is on TNC Media. So right now you're listening to Retrospection Radio Hour. As always, my co-host Nate has joined me. It is me. I'm here. Yeah, so today we're changing up topics a little bit because the past few sessions we've been doing a whole lot of just discussing life and Nashville, Tennessee and my vacation and your vacation and just a whole bunch of life to help you guys really get adjusted to the way that we are and who we are as people so that way your co-hosts just aren't random floating voices inside of your headphones we are faceless people but we are you know a little people. bit about us that's right so, not too much but enough <laughs> yeah i mean admittedly there's not much you need to know about me i'm an audio video guy i like i like taking pictures and i like taking moving pictures too I'm a strange person, you know. I try I try not to reveal everything. I try to be a little bit mysterious. That's right. The mystery is what makes things so exciting in a detective story. Oh, yeah. Not yes. real life. So today we're going to be talking about the 1910s. When I say 1910, what comes to mind for you? Um, Right now, probably uh, the Titanic and toward the end of the 1910s, Prohibition kind of like happened a little bit. At least around like 1919. Also, uh, what else happened in the 1910s? The Black Sox scandal, where like a bunch of uh, a bunch of White Sox players were accused of uh, throwing a game, and they all—it's what Eight Men Out is about. Yeah, that was in 1919. Other than that, um, oh. Not not a lot off the top of my head. I feel like I should know more, but I just can't really bring anything to mind. So the 1910s is one of those eras, along with the 1920s, and especially for me, the 30s, oh, that yeah. people just kind of forget about. Like the 1910s, they're like, World War One, Titanic sinking. That, yeah, the World War One too. The 1920s is like... Prohibition, Mafia, and Roaring Twenties. And then we get into the 30s, and everyone is like, what even happened in the 30s? Like, this, <laughs> what oh. is this decade? The so, 30s is, like, really messed up. It's like it's <sighs> like the Great Depression and, like, the Dust Bowl. Just, like, exactly. every, everything happened in the 30s. Everything bad happened in the 30s. Yeah. And then we got into the 40s, which was uh, started off pretty bad. Then we had another war. Yeah, I was going to say, another great war. See, in the 1910s, Germany was like, you know, I'm pretty mad. I'm going to fight the whole world. <laughs> and then about 20 years later, Germany was like, you know what? I'm still pretty mad. I'm going <laughs> to fight the whole world. So I guess since we're on the topic um, of the world wars, specifically World War One. We can we can start there. So my question for you is, what started World War One? A number of things. A lot of people say that it was the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Yeah. But 
I've heard some people say that that is not the case. There was like some other stuff, like Austria Hungary and stuff like that. It was just a lot of rising tension in Europe. So basically, what happened was there were these old empires and there were new empires, like England and America. Ironically, calling England a new empire. But to be fair, they were new considering they'd been around since a bit before the 1700s when they started uh, colonizing everything. They weren't really an empire up until that point. They were just a series of kingdoms that were able to conquer Ireland and Scotland, which, frankly, isn't too hard of a thing to do. Uh, Yeah, I I feel like England, it's not... When you're, you know, the United Kingdom, it's pretty easy to conquer Ireland because it's, like, literally connected by Yeah, it's like... (laughs) don't know what else to do there i feel sorry for ireland though they've been through a lot over the years but oh they'll they'll eventually secede i think that's what the irish at least i (laughs) hope so you know they need i hope they need they need space ireland needs some space we need to leave them alone space and potatoes that's true or space potatoes space potatoes Mm, like uh (laughs) the martian space potatoes (laughs) oh yeah yeah the one with matt damon I haven't seen that movie in a while. I haven't seen it in a while either. So basically, yeah, your your two main reasons are the assassination of uh, Franz Ferdinand, who basically, when he was assassinated, it threw all the countries in the West into a loop, because except for America, uh, into a loop simply because everyone was connected in an alliance. So when the first country declared war, that other person was like, hey, call in allies. And then the allies declare war, and then the other people go, hey, you can't just go to war with this person over this. And then they step in, and you got the allies of the Axis, which eventually show up again in World War II. And we'll get to that at a later point. But there's also, as I was just saying, the empires. And you have Germany... Uh, Austria-Hungary, which was a huge empire for quite a while. Germany was the Prussian Empire, um, which didn't fall. It was just reconstructed into Germany and the German Empire. So you've got... uh, I want to say Bismarck. No, no, no. I think it's Frederick, actually. Um, Who the Prussians had fought the French in the Napoleonic Wars in the 1800s and were slowly starting to lose more and more battles, which tore apart Prussia. And then eventually, you know, they become Germany uh, with the leader stepping in and saying, hey, I'm pretty sure that's Bismarck, actually, now that I think about it. Uh, Yeah, is Otto von Bismarck the first? This history is from my memory. (laughs) But basically he steps in and says, hey, Germany... We are a united German people. That's a great name. We'll make it into an empire. And they were basically just still the Prussian Empire with just a few territories here and there off. And from there, everyone goes to war. And you have the bloodiest war of what people thought was going to be all time. Yeah, the war to end all wars. That's right. Then they had a second war to end all wars. Did the Russian Revolution happen in the 1910s too? Uh, let me check that real quick. I don't actually remember. I know it happened, I want to say, around, like, 1918? It was in the latter part of the 1910s, I think, or it might have been earlier. I might be totally wrong, though. 
Yeah, you're in the wrong decade. Uh, when 1923. Uh, close enough. So, well, okay, sorry. It ended in 1923. You're right. It started in 1917. So yeah. the thing is, I feel like public That's... school never really did this very well. We never learned Russian history. Like, he kind of knew what a Tsar was, but other than that... Yeah, you're, like, you are right. They didn't really talk about, like, the whole, like, like especially, like, Rasputin and, like, all these, like, really weird people that were involved. Yeah, well, even just, like, Russian history up until World War One, like, before World War One, because I, I took Western history probably four or five times throughout my life, all these different Western history courses, Greeks, Romans, modern day up to 1700s, ancient, all that. And I've also uh, tasted, I've also taken Eastern history and I've done Africa, India, China, just the whole Asia Minor area, and even some of the Middle East because a lot of the Middle East gets lumped into Eastern history or Western history with the Most of what I learned about the Middle East was like like Mesopotamia and stuff, like just really ancient civilizations. It's like, oh, yes, this is the Fertile Crescent, the Cradle <laughs> of Civilization. It's now where, like, I think they said Iraq is now. Yeah. Just kind of weird to think about. Like, yeah, well, especially as you're being taught throughout the years, you're just kind of like, hmm, it's like, this place, it probably doesn't even exist on this planet anymore. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's just over there down the down the street. And you're like, what? This thing is over 5,000 years old, which as Americans, it's it's relatively hard for us because most of our history is oh yeah within the past 300 years and yeah, we a lot, think a lot of our history consists of blue jeans coca-cola and a lot of <laughs> stolen cultures and well and i mean 300 years ago sounds like it was forever ago and then you walk over to england you're like okay what's your history and they're like ah back when the vikings vikings yeah <laughs> how long ago was that it's like oh yeah yeah me and my friends we go to this uh bar that's like a hundred years old and then you go to like england's like we go to a pub that's like almost a thousand what about it <laughs> okay. you're like uh all right <laughs> so world war one basically was the bloodiest war uh up until that point in history yeah it was they introduced it was like a lot of new uh, implements of destruction were introduced, yes. like aerial combat, tanks, uh, machine guns, and chemical warfare. Yep, lots of gas. I remember learning a lot about World War One in, uh, I think, my sophomore year of high school. And one thing I remember specifically was learning about the, uh, like, gas, like chemicals. Yep. Like the fact that you'd have to like really pay attention which way the wind was blowing because people could like release their gas and it would go like halfway across <laughs> no man's land and then the wind would turn and it would just blow right back into their trenches yep and also i, rem- I heard about this poem i forget who it's by but it's basically about like dead soldiers being like carried away on carts and you can hear like because chlorine gas it makes it forms fluid in your lungs which is how it one of the which is basically how it kills you. And it's like, it talks, but it's like, yeah, you can hear the fluid sloshing around in their lungs and you can hear it like coming <laughs> out of their mouths. I was like, that is very gruesome. Yeah, that is <laughs> exactly. That's terrible. I was thinking like, you know, you got your chlorine gas, you got your mustard gas. And those were the two main ones that were used also with bromine and, and even worse. Phosgene, I phosgene. didn't learn this in school. I forget where I learned this from. It was in a book somewhere, like not even about world war one. It was just about some book. And basically they used this stuff that would like, get in it was like a powder 
and they would spread that first around the enemy trenches and what it would do is it would like either get into your face or like get into your face like through the like the edges of the gas mask and it would make you puke so that like so you you had to take off the mat yeah and then they would evil i know yeah they called it like puke stuff i think i don't know what it was like officially called but that's a common term was puke stuff and it would just like and it's just like think about it's like they they really thought about everything didn't they and well and it's like uh, see i don't understand well i guess i do i understand from a historical perspective because up until this point you know you've had swords and shields and stuff and then you hit the 17 or 16 to like 1800s and everyone has this traditional warfare where you just line up this napoleonic warfare yeah. you line up you shoot at each other and like, like you meet into the, we're meeting in this field on tuesday <laughs> and you have we have to stand in a row and it's your turn to shoot and your turn to shoot and then the american revolution happened and then there was just like a lot of guerrilla warfare and they were just like the british were like we can't we're not equipped to do this this is not right <laughs> well i think that's what's interesting too is i guess we're going to get into 1910s and before you have the napoleonic wars and the way that napoleon fought I mean, he had massive armies, but a lot of the times there were a lot more guerrilla-styled wars and combats as opposed to, you know, this professional way of doing war. So he was thought as barbaric, but he was also thought as this military genius because, you know, he he's the one who marches into Russia. And frankly, if the Russians had actually been there, he would have won. But so basically what happened with that was... Uh, Napoleon marched into Russia, and he knew it was going to be hot, and he knew it was going to be cold with the amount of time that he'd be spending there. So he brought a supply train, a supply wagon, which is basically, it it slows your army down very, very slowly to like a crawl, but you have all of your resources on you. So what happens is the Russians go, okay, well, they're going to run out of resources. So they start burning their own cities and their own food as Napoleon gets there. And Napoleon was famous for whenever he conquered or attacked an area, he would take the resources from the area so that way he didn't have to have a supply train. But this time he was kind of smart about it and knew about the uh, supply train. <laughs> but he he still only put a quarter of food and supplies in there because he was expecting to be able to live off the land. Who in their right mind would burn their own cities yeah. and their own resources just to kill Napoleon? I and think it they did that. I think Russia <laughs> did that in like World War II as well. They would like burn their cities. So Russia's that... just a pyromaniac. <laughs> in terms of world events, they just like to burn everything. Russia is just, they're ruthless. I remember like when um, the Allied forces were like liberating all the uh, the German cities, like they would like. They, like it was the Russians that were just like pillaging and just like uh, just, destroying everything. Yeah, yeah. They, like, like they were like Vikings. It's like, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> you don't need to walk in here and destroy everyone's homes after like, these look, people have been oppressed for ten, twenty years. Anyway, it's it's like, like I know this is warfare, but come on. Like the war is the war is basically over now. Hitler's dead, and we just got to stop this. <laughs> Nazi Germany has fallen. There's nothing left. Russia, you don't need to burn everything. These people want to live a decent life instead of the life they've been living. But we're, but America's bad. We're all bad. Everyone's bad. Yeah, well, I mean, America is definitely not innocent when it comes to the wars. America. No. Uh, actually, let me check something real quick. I forget how America got involved in World War One. Ah, this one is fun. Are you familiar with the lands? The very 
very obscure land known as Mexico. Yes. Yes. So uh, basically, um, the Access sent a letter to Mexico and said, hey, uh, you want to attack America so that way they don't join in World War One? Because up until this point, America is very, at the time, was very, we're not getting involved in affairs. We just did the Spanish-American War, all that stuff. They're isolationist. Exactly. And they're like, they're the Europeans. The Europeans were fighting 30 years ago in the Franco-Prussian War, and, you know, the Europeans fight each other all the time. Who cares? We have our own nation to worry about. And, you know, then the Axis said, Mexico, join the war and kill the Americans. And Mexico was like, I don't think I'm going to do that. And America intercepts the message and goes, oh. It's like, is this an invitation? (laughs) Wow, look at this very, very nice parchment that says, Hey, America, why don't you join the war and kill us? We'd love it if you do. So America was like, All right, we're going in, along with uh, Canada, which is a very... Canada's not talked about in the World Wars. They did contribute, uh, but generally the main allies are, you know, France, rest in peace. (laughs) They got decimated in both wars. Uh, Poor France. Poor France. France... France became an empire because of Napoleon and it was so close to actually remaining relevant in the world and then with Napoleon dying or sorry dying uh getting being exiled exiled they put a king back on the throne and the king was like woo it's time to party again yeah and it's like remember the stuff with Marie Antoinette and all those other guys <laughs> we're going to bring it back Exactly. Well, that's 100% what happened because the guy was related to them. So he was like, well, I used to live a life of partying, and now I'm going to live a life of partying. Woo! <laughs> I, guess that's yeah, why, I guess that's why rioting is legal in France. <laughs> because they've just had a history of just terrible leaders. Yeah, well, man, if the next leader had been uh, someone who followed in Napoleon's footsteps, France would have stayed a superpower, but they just kind of forgot about their military hence why uh when they forgot how awesome they were they forgot how awesome they were up until that point france was kind of okay then they had napoleon and it was like wow and then after napoleon they're like oh let's go back to what we were doing two thousand years ago (laughs) just running around with sticks and mud and letting the monarchs just control us with uh with france they lost they were one of the first ones knocked out of the war uh, in World War One and World War Two, and they committed the same mistake. There is a border with Germany, and France said, okay, we're putting all of our troops on the border. And Germany said, oh, man, we're not going to be able to pass through that. The French had castles, the French had tunnels into German territory, and just they were so prepared. So the Germans said, okay, we're taking our army, we're moving north, going around, and then we're coming back down into France since all the soldiers are along the border and we're just going to crush them between our two forces. And this happened twice within 40 years. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, France didn't make it. They were they were KO'd pretty quick. But uh, so this is interesting. <laughs> 
when America came into the war, up until this point, you know, you had all the fun stuff, mustard gas and chlorine and all these people dying in awful, inhumane ways. The next weapon that was introduced was American, and it is something that is no longer considered taboo, but when it first came out, was considered one of the worst and most brutal ways to kill someone. It's called a shotgun. It was a shotgun? It was a shotgun. They were okay. Were they Trench okay barrel with machine shotguns. guns? I mean, machine guns weren't very... They weren't... Because <sighs> they were introduced, like, in World War One. Like, that's when they were really, like, popping off. So, it was machine guns and the gases and all this stuff. And a lot of that stuff got banned. Machine guns didn't, which kind of surprises me with, you know... D-Day, looking back on yeah. D-Day and the fact that it was like, okay, guys, they don't even know you're here. Just walk up the beaches five minutes later. So they know you're here and uh, walk up the beaches. <laughs> There's no going back. The you know the boats are getting blown up anyways. Run, don't walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that they told people on D-Day was don't even stop to try and help anyone on the ground. Just make it to the German front line. And uh, oof. So, back in World War One, yes, shotguns. Uh, this is the name, or this is where trench barrels or double-barreled shotguns come out because basically you'd hop over a trench and bam, and the like entire chest and ribcage would just get blown to bits because of the amount of spread in the bullets. And yeah. that's why they thought it was so ruthless because at least with gas, you know, you're just kind of choking and dying. But when you get shot with a shotgun point blank in a trench, it just kind of goes everywhere and. Uh, they don't like that. But shotguns never got banned. Uh, and the gases did, which I will say, at least the gases the, got banned. I, I'd say good. a shotgun wouldn't be fun to I, get shot I, by a shotgun and just be like, ah, ow. <laughs> I can't imagine, like, just knowing war is like, oh, I don't know, like, the Civil War or something like that. Just a lot of gun, you know, just, like, guns and cannons and stuff like that. And then you go to, like, the Western Front and, like, World War One, and there's better guns shotguns uh <laughs> you know reload a uh, much faster reloadable weapons yeah we uh we not only that fast. there's there's planes dropping bombs and shooting <laughs> each other in the air there's big tanks that are going around and there's gas and there's all this stuff it's like i just can't imagine yeah i think i'd rather stick with my sword and fight people you know and meet a, well even then swords can be pretty bad too because a lot of the times our media portrays swords and sword battling as, you know, something that'll take like 50 minutes and it's this epic duel. A lot of the times it's clang, clang, death. Like, there, there was nothing much to it besides... At least you can see a guy with a sword running at you. Exactly. And you can just... sniper and like a... That's true. That, that is very true. And that was one of the things with World War One was the whole... And even like being... Evolution of guns. Being in trenches, like... Oh. I think they would get, like, frostbite, like, their boots would, like, freeze to their feet. I think, I don't know if they called it trench foot or something like that. It was trench foot is basically when there was a bunch of heavy rain and your uh, feet couldn't dry off, so they were just constantly wet, which then caused a bunch of... Infection. Um, infection, moss, like, you know, athlete's foot, all that stuff just growing on your feet, and it's... uh. Very gross. Yeah, and just like literally just sleeping, just like in shifts, and you know, just like lying back and sleeping in these dirt up against trenches. the wall. Yeah, I mean, one of the other things about it was uh, they would eat their own boots. Cause, yeah, uh, they would like cook them. Yeah, because all you have is water 
and leather. And at least leather is an animal product. Yeah, they just have holes get something in the, from it. They just have holes in the ground where they go to the bathroom and stuff like that. Sounds it was, miserable. Yeah, well, and that was the thing was trench warfare, amazing for Napoleonic, Napoleonic warfare style, where you have your musket uh, and, you know, it takes three, four minutes. Well, not three, four minutes, but it, it could take up to a minute to reload after firing one shot. Then you've got your cannons. And then at that point, you had the Gatling gun, like the twist one. Yeah. Where you'd crank it and it'd fire bullets. But even then, you know, those took a while to reload, too. A lot of this stuff took a lot of time to reload. So you'd wait till your enemy fires at you, and then you'd charge their trench with your bayonets and your muskets. And then we discovered how to put more bullets into a gun and And smaller bullets. And then we started shelling. Exactly. Well, exactly. People realized... I shouldn't shoot the cannon directly at the trench because it's just going to hit the ground. But if I shoot it up in the air in an angle and then use grape shot or something so that way the cannonball explodes into pieces, it's going to hit more people. And it's probably going to hit or do something to the trench. And so that's like basically you can't leave your trench. Well, you, you shouldn't, but you're going to get blown up in your trench most likely anyway. And you shouldn't go out in the no man's land because it's all barbed wire and shell holes. And if they <laughs> see you, if they see anything that looks like a person standing up, they're gonna shoot them. So, with the way that World War One began, a lot of, uh, with it being one of the bloodiest wars in histories, a lot of those deaths were from the beginning of the war. And then it kind of started to even out to look more like a normal war with uh, death ratios, because. They were so used to, all right, we fired a few shots, now we're going to charge. But with the evolution of machine gun from the Gatling gun and all those other things, that's where you get your no man's land because you basically start off with... Basically, everyone just kept charging each other after finishing their ammunition and thinking they're going to make it, and then the other side is just like, why would you do this? We have machine guns. like, (laughs) We can kill 30 people within a span of you know 30 seconds it's like i can reload my gun in less than 30 seconds oh well that was one of the other things with carbines that were introduced like car 98k which was a german carbine um and the gewehr all of those weapons sure they look quite a bit archaic now or at least when it comes to reloading it's so different but it just it was so fast so even a lot of those armies that still had muskets and still had later Napoleonic warfare weapons before the 1910s uh, evolution of guns, I mean, they just, a lot of them fell really quickly because if this person can, this person can reload in 15 seconds and fire five shots and I can reload in one minute and fire one shot, who's going to win? <laughs> it's like, not me. <laughs> and that's why... Uh, that's why you have like the bigger swords, uh, or sorry, bigger swords, bigger bows ended up just completely changing warfare, which is so funny to me to think that everyone was using short bows because a lot of people would ride on horses and stuff. And then you just had the invention of the long bow, which is we're going to take the bow but make it bigger. And doing that completely changes like the physics of how the arrows fire and how powerful they are. And it just made it so that way archers could shoot up. Uh, castle walls or shoot down from it and like it just completely changed archers and completely changed warfare because of just making something bigger 
Yeah. And the same thing happened in World War One when everyone just kind of made things bigger, as in, you know, oh, they more ammunition or more this or that or this. They made them bigger, and it's kind of like one of the things like that I learned that I thought was like really fascinating to me was that a lot of this was just happening on like farmland and like now there's like not really a whole lot left like if you go to like where a lot of these world war one battlefields are it's just farmland it's just fields and like forests and like little do you know that like a hundred years ago there were people like literally just killing each other everywhere and like the and sometimes like there's like archaeological discoveries of like trenches that were like buried and stuff and like they're like really well preserved it's like it's really weird because like it didn't happen i mean yeah a hundred years ago a lot can happen in a hundred years but in the grand scheme of things that's not very it's not too long ago no it's not long at all and it's just like but like there's still like archaeologists going and like discovering this stuff and even like there's shells that like un that didn't detonate and like they find them and they like have to like get a team in to like you know like it just diffuse disassemble it, it yeah so that and way even it like world just randomly war, go off and even some like guys world war ii like oh i can't imagine being the guy that has to diffuse like an almost like 70 like 100 year old like shell that's like has not blown up and it's just like you risk life and limb just to <laughs> diffuse this little dumb rusted piece of metal hiding in the ground so i'm gonna change away from world war one because that's the big event that i feel like we all know I've got a few quick facts for you about uh, the 1910s. So when it comes to revolutions and gaining freedom, what do you think the big revolution of 1910 was? Like in the 1910s? In the 1910s, yeah. Uh, Who gained their freedom and independence? We talked about them a bit already today. They Rus- helped in World War One. The Russians. No. Well, I mean... It was more of a revolt. They, the Russians definitely didn't get independence from their no, <laughs> revolution. They got, they got communism. Woo. And, uh, well, we, and, see, we all know how that worked out. Yeah. So. Oh, uh, Ireland? Nope. It was mm. one that just basically just became a nation. Well, I mean, duh. That's why there's a revolution. But, I mean. It just became a nation, and the world was starting to recognize them a little bit. Oh, man. I got nothing. I don't know. Mexico. Mexico? Yeah, so the Mexican Revolution happened in the 1910s. Oh, um, yeah, they were, was, weren't they like owned by like Spain or something? Yes, pretty much all of South America besides Portugal, which was Portuguese. Portugal, what? Brazil. I didn't, that, I didn't know that happened so recently. I thought it was like exactly. It's like, only been a hundred years. Like it's been like a hundred and ten years since Mexico gained their independence, I have which no is idea. a little bit weird to think about because a hundred years ago we didn't have sliced bread. A hundred years ago we didn't have. I mean, we didn't have internet. We didn't have TVs. We had the telephone. Uh, we had the telegraph. We had the radio. We we have the radio. That's true, and we also had uh, we did have the phonograph too. I don't know what else we had. Maybe, oh, here's... maybe they were working on something akin to television. I know they had like they used to have this. I forget what it was called. But, like, yeah, television used to be like this weird like spinning like disc thing, and they would like transmit stuff through it, or like there would be like images 
imprinted into the disc or something? So basically with television, um, I'm pulling it up, but also I'm trying to remember because we did, I took a class that was basically history of modern media, television, radio, all that stuff, and how it progressed. So basically with television, uh, there's something called frames per second. And a frame is basically a shot. Yeah. As in like, you know, you take a picture of something. And when you layer a bunch of shots on top of each other of just slight movements, it looks like something is moving. Hence why we have television and movies and how they discovered that was just, it's like when you draw a ball on your sticky notepad and you draw it bouncing from one area to the other and then you quickly flip through it and it looks like it's actually moving. That's how that's how animation and basically anything moving picture related that's why moving pictures it's the one guy the that, wanted the, that wanted to prove like you know like the famous thing with like the horse running it's like one of the earliest like exactly. film things it was i guess what it was was like someone this guy and this other guy were like you know a horse when it runs all four legs leave the ground and then another guy was like no at least one leg is always touching the ground when it's running okay and it's like and then he was like <laughs> all right he's like all right i'm going to prove to you that that is not correct so he just set up this whole experiment, just like a bunch of cameras with like a bunch of triggers like right next to each other. He just had this horse run across all this, like these triggers, and then he's like, I just can't believe that someone went through all that effort just to prove it's like, ha, I told you horses don't run like that, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> I am big brain because I take pictures. I went through all this effort just to prove that horses do not run the way you said they do, you stupid. Also, I just invented television accidentally. <laughs> I and invent- one of the biggest markets ever. <laughs> I also invented the, the earliest moving image, so take that. Mm. So a lot of those early films were simply just... Like really mundane things. Yeah. Like like these are people that are eating dinner. Here's people getting off of a train. Exactly. That's what all of the them Lumi- were. And the it was Lumiere just- Brothers. That's who made those films. Yes. And then and then a fun and then a and then a little man, I believe he was French, named George Millier came in and he changed everything. The uh there's also the inventions Lumiere, that's right. Um Yes, they were the ones who stepped in eighteen sixty two to nineteen fifty four, uh, manufacturers of photography equipment, but they're best known for their cinematography motion picture system. So, uh, in 1909, the cathode tube was created, which led to the invention of televisions. Pretty neat. Uh, But basically, I forgot what I was saying with the fun facts. Mexican Revolution. Mexican Revolution. Mexico. So, uh, there were some other people who did some relatively important things. It's funny to look at it now and think about it, but uh, have you ever heard of this nation called China? Oh man, you know I've heard I've heard tell about it. I've heard little whisperings and little, you know, little murmurs about this China business. Yeah, I don't. I I mean, they've only been around since. Oh, let's see. Twenty years. Yeah, I'm thinking they've been around for maybe twenty years or. Uh, what was that one thing? They were the oldest nation in the world, and... <laughs> they have, like, a big old wall that you that they say you can see from space. I tried it. You cannot see that wall from space. That's a lie. That's right. I put the wall in space 
so you could see it from space. <laughs> That'd be a... Oh. I'd put a giant... You know, if I was as rich as these crazy billionaires, I'd put a giant wall in space, you know? I, Honestly, if, if you're going to the moon, turn. just build a castle on the moon and just be like, all right, well, no one can live here. Goodbye. I'm just going to say the moon is mine. Yeah, who's going to stop you? No one. Yeah, it, it, That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> the government doesn't care. They're like, oh, okay, the moon is ours. It's like, technically and it's like, it was claimed nah. by America. We put the American flag on there. I was like, yeah, it's, yeah but... But I'm an American, so I claim it. I don't see you buying uh, real estate on the moon. I bought it. (laughs) I paid for all these building materials. I don't need a permit to build on the moon. That's right. It's like Antarctica. uh, Countries have different portions of Antarctica claim, but no one's actually claimed the continent. Nobody really lives in Antarctica. People go to Antarctica, but they don't really live there. Well, there's no way for you to be able to live in Antarctica well, okay, that's a lie. I'm sure there is a way not for with, you to be able to live it. Not but. with that attitude, you're not. <laughs> that's right. We're we're going to surprise viewers, listeners. We're going to Antarctica tomorrow, and we'll be back next week to tell you think, our exploits. I remember I heard once that Metallica like performed in Antarctica. I don't know how they did that or how like if they streamed it, but they like I heard some say it's like yes, Metallica's played on every continent, including Antarctica, and I was like. You know, that seems like something Metallica would do. <laughs> That's a very Metallica thing. If you have a man like Lars Ulrich in your band, you're going to do some crazy stuff. Like, take the bass out of Injustice for All. But that album's still good, though, even though it doesn't have any bass in it. So, Metallica, Antarctica. U.S. rock band Metallica has achieved a new Guinness World Record. Did, did they really do it? After being the first musical act to play a concert on all seven of Earth's continents. <laughs> they did uh, the The concert had 120 people attend, <laughs> and it was sponsored by Coca-Cola Zero. Oh, um, that, come on. But it was not Americans. It, it wasn't the America Coca-Cola company. It was the uh, Latin America Coca-Cola Zero company. So it was like their division of Coca-Cola, but it was specifically the Latin America version. They clarified that? Yes. I can't. Uh, The temperature was negative seven degrees when they played. I like that they they, they knew exactly what temperature it was, who it was sponsored by, how many people were there. They perform Ampless in a dome. Oh, they were unplugged? Yes. Oh, I mean, there's 120 people there. What? <laughs> you don't want it reverberating and shattering all the ice. I mean, yeah, but, you know, an electric guitar is not very loud unplugged. This is true. So maybe, so, they, maybe they did a little acoustic set. That'd be, that'd be cool. <laughs> to, to put a name to the number. Oh, I just got hit with a yawn. To... To kind of uh, explain this a little bit more, Metallica had a concert. Their biggest concert ever had, I believe it just said 1.1 million. Really? Uh, 1.6 million people uh, attended a concert in 1991 at Moscow. In Antarctica, they had 120. <laughs> You're not going to get 1.6 million people. Even the Russians don't want to go to Antarctica. <laughs> Nobody wants to go to Antarctica. But Metallica does. 
I mean, if you get yourself a Guinness World Record, then you got yourself a Guinness World Record. What can I say? All right. I'm going to perform We're... on all eight continents, <laughs> making a new one out of the ocean. Apparently, there's a hidden continent that's, like, under Europe. Like, uh, it's, like... Yeah, that's where Atlantis the, is. The tectonic plates. I've heard people say that Atlantis is, like, the eye of the Sahara. Oh. Mm. I mean, it kind of, like, the way Atlantis is described kind of looks like that, but... I guess like they can't find out because like it's literally in the middle of the desert. <laughs> it's like like there's there's no like feasible way to get people out there and investigate it. But it's hot in the desert. I don't know if anyone's ever been to the Eye of Sahara. Like has anyone like gone there? Like actually like I mean probably not lived to tell about it. You're probably right. Let's uh so Oh, Google. <laughs> what were we talking about again? China. Yeah, China, that's it. What happened in China in the 1910s? Did we have... I'm trying so, to think of things that happened in China. I got nothing. So, uh, the, the Republic of China, not to be confused with the People's Republic of China, the Republic of China was actually a republic. The People's Republic of China is communism. Don't get too confused with that one. They abolished slavery. Good on them. They're a little bit late. When they abolished slavery in the 1910s? Yeah. I know. Oh. Kind of weird, isn't it? Were they one of the last people to do it? Uh, I'm sure of the main, like the big nations, probably. But I'm sure, I mean, even nowadays, there's still indentured servitude and various other things that fall under, not necessarily slavery, where you're working for free and, you know, your entire life's destroyed. But, uh, indentured servitude is a form of slavery in the sense of you know you're basically having to work for them to pay off a debt without being paid unfortunate <laughs> people need to get with the program that's right they need to go and claim pieces of the moon so we can have a world war three on the moon <laughs> have so the ronald reagan's dream of star wars will come true <laughs> so uh for films, some of the films that came out in the 1910s uh, was a first film version of Wizard of Oz and Frankenstein. Oh yeah, the I know about that. The the Thomas Edison Frankenstein. Yep. Yeah, that one was actually considered lost for like a really long time, and it was found in a private collection. I was gonna say I've got a link to it right here. Uh, I've seen. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen a lot of it, and it is very weird. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> it's very unusual. Like, usually you think of, like, you know, we all know, like, we imagine the Frankenstein monster and, like, lightning and stuff, but I think in the, the Thomas Edison one, just, like, the doctor, like, throws a bunch of stuff into, like, a pot or something. It's basically he just makes instant monster. Like, it's, like, ramen Yum. noodles. <laughs> and I like, got a 50% <laughs> on the, Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. It is very interesting. I'm, can't be very long no it's not it's, it's like yeah it, it's, it's less than 10 minutes yeah it's about 10 minutes interesting but it is very it is very remarkable <laughs> one of the things when i search up for the eye of the sahara <laughs> is atlantis the eye of the sahara yeah so uh basically you can go to the eye of the sahara however it's so dry and difficult to find because it's a desert and everywhere looks the same 
that uh, I don't I I don't think there's anyone notable that's ever gone there. And are there pictures of people like there? So the only thing I've ever seen is I've only ever seen aerial photographs of it. I was going to say seen I'm any... seeing a whole bunch of aerial photographs. But is I'm... it is it water? Like what is that? What do you mean? Like you know, it's like it's all blue and stuff. Like, is that water? Yeah, it might just be heat, and the uh, a whole bunch of oh, it could be rock too. I'm not sure. It's like, it's I'm gonna be serious. honest. I don't really look into the eye of the Sahara, so I'm very. Uh, I know, like I almost forgot about it until like one of my friends was like, you know, I heard people say that like Atlantis, like this place, like all the way out in the desert. But, like, nobody can go and investigate it because it's just so, like, in the middle of nowhere. And, like, I was like, what are you talking about? And, like, I searched it up, and it was, like, the eye of the sphere. It's like, oh! Like, it was just some memory. <laughs> like, I totally forgot about the eye of the Sahara. I probably, like, learned about it in, like, I think, like, in, I don't even know what part of school. But I think I learned about it, like, once, like, a long time ago. And it was just, like, just, like, one of those things that just randomly just clicked, clicked back. Yeah, I was like, that's what that is. Yeah, the government doesn't want you to know. Every government in the world has been there, but the citizens are not allowed to know. There's your new conspiracy theory. I don't know. For all I know, maybe Atlantis just isn't real. Who knows? I'm trying to think of other things. I'm trying I'm trying to use my brain to think of things that happened in the 1910s. Didn't, didn't Henry Ford invent the uh, assembly line in, 19, in the 1910s? Like the Model T? Uh, that was 1913, yes. Yeah. The Model T assembly line. The assembly line itself was created a little bit beforehand, but for creating cars, manufacturing cars, yes. Um, Halley's Comet. Halley's Comet was discovered in the 1910s? It was, uh, it passed through on April 20th of 1911. I like Haley's comment. Yeah, so that that was through. Uh, Washington State became the fifth U.S. state in which women could vote. Because keep in mind, this is before women's suffrage. And uh, I saw something in here earlier. Let me let me see if I can find it again. So in the 1910s, we did not have all 50 states. That's true. Do you How many states did we have? Well, are we talking about 1910, 1911, or are we talking about 1912 and on? Just the whole decade. Like, how many states were established in the 1910s? 47 and then 48. Only two? Or just there was only one that was established? There was just one. There was, uh, there was 47 states up until February 14th, 1912, it's weird. in which it is the 48th state was ratified. It is really weird to see, like, flags, like, before there were all 50 states. Like, there's, like, less stars, and it's just, like... Yeah, not, see, like, the original colonies, that flag with the kind of circle of the, the stars, I enjoyed that flag. Yeah, that and was And then cool. I liked the 50 states flag. And then they add, and they just kept <laughs> adding more, and they kept adding more. It's like, what are you doing? They're adding too I many... Mean, can you imagine if America was like Europe where America was divided, all of these states and stuff for these different nations, and not even the states that we know today, but it just played out, the politics, the battlegrounds, all of it, just like Europe, instead of America being one giant, giant nation. It's just a series of individual nations that 
different cultures and backgrounds and hate each other. You've got like the redneck nation, then you've got Ohio. <laughs> Ohio's omnipresent. That's right. There is always Ohio. No matter how no matter how far I get away from it, you know. It's like I was watching like I was watching Apocalypse Now, you know, <laughs> the other night and like I was watching it like, you know, you know, it's got Martin Sheen. I don't know if you haven't seen it. If there's anyone out there that hasn't seen Apocalypse Now, go watch that movie. That movie is amazing. It's it's by the it's by Francis Ford Coppola. It's got, you know, The Godfather, you got Marlon Brando, Martin Sheen, <laughs> a young Lawrence Fishburne is in there, you know, all sorts of people. But anyway, there's one part where Martin Sheen is talking to uh he's talking to Marlon Brando and like Marlon Brando's like where are you from? And he's like, I'm from Ohio. It's like, what part? He's like, Toledo. He's like, how far are you from the river? It's like about 200 miles. And he starts talking about some story. And like, and then like my dad was like walking in the room. He's like, oh yeah, he's from, he's from Dayton. And I was like, who? He's like, Martin Sheen. He's from Dayton, Ohio. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, get out of my movies. <laughs> too much Ohio. <laughs> that is, uh, that is very true. Ohio is one of those states where it's like, what even is Ohio? Where is that? What is that? Is it, is all of America Ohio like the uh, uh, the European? Ohio encompasses all of the flyover states, all the pass-through <laughs> states. Ohio is Ohio. a place. Ohio is a place that you pass through. It's not a destination. And there was a well. That's very true. There's nothing in Ohio, but uh, you got Kings Island. You got Cedar Point. You got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe the Football Hall of Fame if you're into that sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know about people going to the football hall of fame. Yeah, I don't hear that one a lot either. I think my brother did, but But uh, other than that, you got you don't got you don't really got a whole lot. There's this meme of a European who was trying to name all fifty states and he marked like seven of them as Ohio and was like, I just don't know where this is. I hear it, but I don't know what it is. It's just like is Texas Ohio? No. I remember even I was California? I remember even I went to go see Black Widow, and there's, like, this part at the beginning where they're, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't really remember that movie. I thought it was okay. I haven't seen it yet. It's, I, it's one of those that I haven't gotten out of my way to see it. But there's one part, like, at the beginning, and this, like, little girl's like, I want to go back to Ohio. And I was like. No, oh. you don't. My my <laughs> suspension of disbelief was immediately ruined. I was like, I'm, I am very, like, I, you've lost me, movie. Nobody wants to go to Ohio. I live in Ohio. I've been in Ohio all my life. I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I would much rather be literally anywhere else, including the moon. My space castle on the moon. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any idea what this 48th state that was ratified, which state it is? 48th state. Starts with... Actually, sorry. It ends with an A. Uh... Hawaii. No, wait, no. That's Why did later. I say that? Yeah, that's that ends with an I too. <laughs> Iowa. No. Hmm. Nevada. Been around for a little while. Not Nevada. Darn. Arizona. Yes. Arizona. Arizona becomes the forty-eighth state on February fourteenth, nineteen twelve. It's a. Uh, it's a nice state. I enjoyed Arizona when I went. I haven't been to Arizona. It's just it's just hot. They got yeah. a lot of really really cool. Um, they got the Grand Canyon. Yeah, 
I was going to say, they got a lot of really cool, like, gorges with the way that, and canyons, because of the way that the, uh, it is, because it is. Because of the way that everything was formed, it's just really, really cool. The, uh, Grand Canyon and just the other gorges. I had a, uh, when I was in Arizona, I went on whitewater rafting, and it was kind of an eh whitewater raft, like, the best one I've ever been on was on the Penobscot in Maine, where I've got scars to tell about it. But uh, <laughs> the the one in Arizona that I went on, can't remember the river, can't really remember much of anything, but it was a river that shot straight through this gorge. So there's a whole bunch of um, just rock, just rock formations leading up, up, up onto basically a giant plateau really high in the sky. And I can only imagine, like, standing at the top of that, looking down and going, ah, yeah. <laughs> stepping away. Same thing with the Grand Canyon. But uh, the river goes straight through, and what's really cool is that it's so mountainous, there was a lot of mining that happened, because this had the gold rush, where really they just found fool's gold in this area. Um, so th- there's a lot of mining that happened, and they've got a high Mormon population, because I don't know if you ever read the first Sherlock Holmes book, one of my favorites. Um but basically, Sherlock Holmes is trying to deduce some murder, and the first half of the book is from his point of view, and he's trying to figure things out. And then the second half of the book is from the murderer's point of view, and he was basically a man who uh, went on the Oregon Trail and was just going west to try and have a better life. And he is about to die one day, and he meets this family of Mormons who invite him to this area, and blah 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 he wants to marry someone but the mormons won't let him and because he's not a mormon Those or gosh like, darn mormons <laughs> yeah well basically what happened was it was, a, it was a whole bunch of religious things that the mormons had set up and because he wasn't a part of their community but he stepped into their community and like i think it might have been his daughter or something was supposed to get married and she got killed or he wanted her to marry someone else or she wanted to marry someone something happens there lots of death happens and he runs away to england um, chasing after the guy who caused it all because the guy was like, ah, uh, you know, I'm going to leave this Mormon community because they'll kill me for it. Ugh. And so they went to England and eventually the murderer caught up with him and blah, blah, blah. So, yes, Arizona has a high Mormon population. I believe Nevada in that area does too. Um, I always thought it was Utah where all the Mormons were at. Oh, Utah, yeah. Basically that whole kind of, those three or four states in that area, it's just very high. Um, but anyways... They have a lot of mining in Arizona, and what was really cool, as I was whitewater rafting, you could see old mines just sticking out of the mountains, and uh, we were basically traveling, there was the river, and then there was an old railway right next to the river, so we were just traveling, and uh, one of the things was, it's not too dangerous of a river, was the railway in operation, or was it just... Like... No, it, it was an old railway, which ah, was even cooler. But one of the is things cool. is, it's a very... It's not a dangerous river in the sense of, it's not like five on the scale where... Like you're not going to fall out and, like, die. So, to explain it is more, the waves aren't bad. The water itself isn't bad. It's not very choppy. Exactly. But when it's low, when the water is low... Or when the water is really high, if, for instance, if the water is low, generally things are sticking out of the water from the old railways that have fallen out. 
So you might get a rusted metal just spike sticking out of the water. Oh, no. And it'll cut your boat. And if your boat pops and gets destroyed, excuse me, if your boat pops and gets destroyed, then you're now in a river full of old rusted pieces of mining equipment that if you were to get stabbed, you'd probably get tetanus immediately and possibly just die. Yeah, you'd probably just die if, you, yeah, if but the water's going pretty fast. The river's not that hard to paddle on, but if you are unfortunate enough, they designed a type of boat specifically for that river, <laughs> which then was used for Maine, or for Maine, um, for uh, the rest of the rivers throughout Utah, Nevada, Arizona, um, all the kind of hot, arid areas, because a lot of those places had a lot of mining, and a lot of it was next to rivers, because, you know, as I described, there's a whole bunch of rocks and stuff, so or a bunch of mountainous areas, plateaus. So... <laughs> That was that was my experience with Arizona. That and uh, we also went to a very very old cave. And as I was walking in, there was a guy because Arizona has the uh, the marijuana policy where you can smoke it wherever you want. Where? So, Arizona. In Arizona? I didn't I, know they did that in Arizona. I think it was Arizona. Might. That Don't sounds... quote me on that. Might be Nevada, but uh, it, it's one uh, of them. It's, it's somewhere was... out there in those dry states. <laughs> exactly. I was gonna say I was I was in a dry state. I don't, I don't really remember where it was, but I'm walking to this really interesting cave, and it's basically this giant cave system inside of a mountain that tourists could go through. And as I'm walking in, this guy goes, "Oh, hey, man." I'm like, "Who are you?" And then he just blows smoke in my face, and I start coughing and go. <laughs> Oh, that smelled awful. <laughs> and it's funny because that was the most Ohioan thing <laughs> I could have done. Just uh, some random guy from Ohio walks past a guy who's enjoying his life, and then you know he's like, "How you doing?" <sighs> well, that's rude. He coughing. blew smoke in your face. That's what I'm thinking, but you know, <laughs> that's just disrespect. He's just like, "Hey, man, I'm just gonna disrespect you. I've never seen you in my life." <laughs> that cave was really cool, though. We uh. There's a lot to see in there, but at one point you were we took or turned off all the lights and we got to be in cave darkness for about three minutes. And it was super cool because cave darkness, if you don't know what it is, it is literal pitch darkness. You cannot see. You can hold your hand directly in front of your eyes and just try and see a little bit from your fingers or something, and you cannot see it at all whatsoever. So it's a it tends to make people go insane. The people who survive have no sense of time whatsoever. And, you know, think it's perhaps years later or before they went into cave darkness. Because people have been trapped in caves before and had to live off, you know, rats and bats and mice and whatever else are in the caves. I and can't it's even just, imagine doing that. No. <laughs> That's one of the things is I never had a phobia of caves until I started until I learned about cave darkness and started reading about the stuff. And then I'm like, cool, uh, not cool. So <laughs> when I went to the Yingling factory a couple weeks ago, and there was one part that was really cool. They Was there a cave in there? Exactly. They built it into the side of a mountain, this Yingling factory. And they used to store the uh, kegs inside 
the caves because it was so cold. So as I was going on the tour, we went inside the cave and just my paranoia shot through the roof as it was just a simple cave. Like there was no way it was going to collapse on us. But it still scared me anyways. Was it a really like deep cave? Did it go really far in? Nope. Not at all. It was it was just barely a cave. It was just kind of a circle. A oh, giant circle. And it didn't go far into the mountain and it, it it had really high ceilings and like everything about it about it just felt like it was just a normal tunnel. But I was just scared out of my mind because I'm like, <laughs> okay, if this collapses, uh, we're dead. <laughs> I remember like Speak on the subject of like mining and stuff in like California and like the early 1900s. Like the way California looks now, it's nothing like it looked like 100 or like 110 years ago. <laughs> Not at all. It is like it used to be just like you could stand on a hill and see nothing for miles. And in some places in California, you would see nothing but I forget what they're called. Oh man, I was just hearing about this yesterday. Like, oil wells everywhere like the uh the structures i forget what those are called i want to say they're not dredges i don't know i i can't remember what they're called yeah i'm not sure but uh they uh they were everywhere there's like i saw this picture of just like literally one like like hundreds of them everywhere and just little houses just kind of interspersed between them like every you know like every now and then just a house here a house there but just like it's kind of like like it's you know it's like there will be blood i don't know if you've seen that movie i have not it is a very good movie got daniel day lewis is just this oil man he's just like this con artist he's like i am oil man i'm made of oil it's like i am here to take your like I'm an oil man, you know. I I take your oil out of the ground, and then I blah blah blah. I'm Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> and he's just like this really. He's a nasty fella, but like you know, he's really he's got a silver tongue, and he convinces people. It's like I will benefit your community with my, you know, I will take the oil out of the ground and blah blah blah. But uh, basically, it takes place. It was filmed in like Marfa, Texas, because I like I heard this thing they were talking about like trying to find locations. Like we went all over California to try to find any part of California that looked like old California, and it just does not exist anymore. There are no dirt roads. There are no anywhere you go. There's just like space. You'll just see like a Burger King sign or something. <laughs> like we had to go to anywhere around like Arizona, Texas to find anything that looked like old California because it does not exist anymore. (laughs) I can't imagine just driving just out in the desert and, you know, the ocean to your right and Burger King to your left. (laughs) Or even in like the 19, like the early 1900s where you're just driving around and like your Model T or your Model A or whatever car is around at that time and you just look over this hill and there's just hundreds of oil, like, things oil wells just everywhere just pumping oil every little drop of oil out of the ground and just little little ramshackle houses between you know scattered about this sea of oil dretches i think they're called i forget what they're called i can't remember i know it started like a d but but you know the things like that have the oil drip like into the ground but yeah the wells Uh, i just can't 
I can't imagine seeing that just like hundreds and hundreds of these oil things just everywhere like a forest pretty they cool scold and then there was oil <laughs> and that's California and liquid now, gold or black gold what do they call it it was one of those black gold so returning back to uh, we got a few more facts about the 1910s uh I just missed my uh, <laughs> my thing. So to really show the America uh, back the way it was, so America had fought the Civil War, and you know we ended slavery, and then there was Jim Crow laws in the 1900s or 1890s. I can't remember which decade it was. I think Jim Crow laws were introduced like very soon after like slavery was abolished exactly and so slavery is or slavery uh civil wars double thing that it did was abolishing slavery and also the whole states rights versus national government right and those are the two main reasons for your civil war but racism racism did not end um and (laughs) still hasn't yeah i was gonna say you still got a long long time to go with that we've got a long Uh, way to go before we even get to modern day and some of the steps that we've made forward but uh back in that time some of the things were just so weird like minstrel shows and just all, all of those things that were really really bad this one is a good thing but it's just kind of strange to me in the sense of the way that it's portrayed so have you heard of what's called the fight of the century it's a boxing match? It is a boxing match. I'm going to so, guess who was in it. Was it Joe Lewis? Nope. Uh, I don't know then. So African-American boxer Jack Johnson defeated white American boxer James J. Jeffries. I know that name, Jack Johnson. Where do I know that from? Uh, oh, he's no, a famous I know. boxer. <laughs> I know it from a Miles Davis album called A Tribute to Jack Johnson. That's how I know Jack Johnson. So, Jack Johnson is also a singer, songwriter. Not to be confused with Jack Johnson from the 1910s. I think it is based off, like, the fighter, but I don't know. I might be it, wrong. It could be. Jack Johnson is, he was born in the 70s, so um, not to be confused with Oh, no, the Miles Jack Davis Johnson. album came out in, like, the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that's, that's probably correct. Um, I, I don't know. I think it was I, the soundtrack of a movie. If I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong about that, but I know it's about the I know it's like the Jack Johnson of the titular Jack Johnson is the boxer. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, I, I think it's just so interesting how I mean interesting in a sense of looking back on history, not in the sense of I enjoyed that this history happened, but I I think it's so interesting the way that this was worded in the media fight of the century this is literally in you know the middle or or the height of racism well i don't even know if i'd call it the height but you know it's it's climbing up the hill it was it was it was going on it was really happening yeah it was it was was going on but uh right during that it's called the fight of the century there was so much 
hype between or like behind just a black man and a white man fighting. I can't imagine how many times they've used that since then. There's so many fights of the century. Well, I mean, you have what Nazi Germany in America with uh, who was that? Was that Muhammad Ali or maybe I'm wrong? I don't know. Like I said, oh I, no, it, I don't know my boxing history very well. With Nazi Germany in America, that was uh, Jesse Owens at the yes. at the Berlin Olympics. Yes. I remember that. And Hitler was like, that's not cool. <laughs> I am angry, racist man, and I am angry. <laughs> the, the people I didn't want to win won, even though it's something I literally have no control over. Oh, guess I'll go to war for it. but yeah so I think it was just really interesting how the media portrayed that as such a huge thing and then they got behind because America beat Germany in boxing in the 30s with Jesse Owens they're like oh you know he may be a black man but he he beat Germany and America's better it's like well he ran he sure ran yeah it's like what's the I, I just don't understand the logic behind he may be this or you know Nate you may have curly hair but you're still a pretty good guy yeah it's, it's like, like oh, well there's not much of a correlation it's like here. he was just an athlete that worked really hard and he won the race <laughs> you know I don't, I don't know. know it's like despite all odds he made it it's like no he was just better than all the other people and he beat them in the race <laughs> like, and that, and that, is, that is how racing works yes this is true journalism thank you but yeah, I do know, like the, from the fight of the century, and then you go like to a lot of the fights, like Muhammad Ali had like the the, the thriller in Manila or something like that, or the <laughs> uh, the rumble in the jungle and whatever, and like just like all these like crazy names for like boxing matches. I like how back then it was just the fight of the century. It's like this is will define everything. No, it won't. Nobody. I mean, we care about it for different historical reasons than the ones that they thought. Nobody will ever forget this fight in a hundred years. Then Muhammad Ali comes along and he just makes it happen. I love Muhammad (laughs) Ali. And everyone's like, what happened in 1910s? Who was Jesse J. Jeffries? Who was Jack Johnson? What? (laughs) Who in the world is Jack Johnson? Let me tell you, I I got to read up on this guy. Right now I've got three tabs open for the Eye of the Sahara, the Thomas Edison, 1910 Frankenstein, and uh, Jack Johnson. Just to, You're working up a really diverse search history. Yeah, well, you're right. It is just <laughs> <laughs> left and right and up and down, backwards and forwards. Yeah, well, that's one of the things I enjoy is that you bring this stuff to the table that I don't know about, and I then go... <laughs> Well, I need to figure out what this is. I, I need to understand it more so that way I can bring it to the table sometime. I've, just, I've always been, over the years, I've just obsessed over certain subjects, and then I retain a lot of, not all of the information, but I retain bits and bobs. So I just got a little bit of everything. Most of it lies in the 1960s. That's like my... Prime time. That's my wheelhouse because I learned so much about like music. Then I ended up learning by proxy a lot of historical events that happened. So I, I don't want to say I know everything that happened, but I know you know a decent amount. I mean, the sixties. I have very defined. I can confidently say that I have almost an encyclopedic knowledge of it. So I'm going to go back to the 1910s. 
1910. Uh, we still have a, must... a, a bit left. I will say I I'm enjoying the 1910s. Uh, I like the 1910s. I, I'm kind of dreading when we get to 1930s and <laughs> just kind of be like, all right, so the Olympics happened in Berlin, and uh... <laughs> there was something that happened toward the end that started that was very bad. Yes, but other than that, I'm thinking like early 30s is is kind of one of those where not really a lot of history happens in there. You got yeah. Roosevelt and you know making the parks and stuff, but yeah. and you got you got the uh, you got prohibition starting to really happen, which in the 30s. Yeah, it was still going on in the 30s. How long did prohibition last? Oh wait, uh, I might be wrong. Well, I, so considering Prohibition started in 1919, which was something I was going to get to. It went on for at least 10 years. Yeah, it started at the end of 1990. Or, whoa. 1919. <laughs> the end of 1919, uh, which a lot of people just say 1920. Uh, and it went till oh, 1933. Okay, I didn't realize it was 13 years. I thought it was like five. And you know what? We're in the place that made it all happen. That's right, right here in Westerville, Ohio. Thanks, I was, Westerville. I was uh, I was talking to someone the other day. What I really love, we have a local business here called Temperance Row. Yeah. It is a brewery, and like it is men- a deli. It is really good. It's really good. I like a lot of their beers. They're very nice. I haven't but tried they, uh, their beers, but I've tried a couple of their sandwiches, and they are. Sandwiches are good, too. Yeah, but they've got a very like limited menu, but the stuff that they serve is really great. And uh, they... <laughs> They are in the building that started Prohibition. Really? It was it was in that building? I didn't know that. I did. I remember reading on like the menus, like on the back of the menu, it's like, oh yes, there was this guy, and he had these uh, these little bars. He had a couple bars that people like blew up with dynamite. <laughs> yep. And I remember I went to like the library, and I was just like, I was bored. I was like, I'm gonna go to the library, and I'm gonna go to this little Prohibition museum that I've heard about. I've never seen it though, because I remember like every time I walk by there, because I hang out there sometimes with my friends, like the park behind the library. Yeah. And like, there's like, I see in the window, it's like Prohibition Museum. I'm like, hmm. Let's do it. Why not? I was like, yeah. I'm gonna I don't go. think I've ever been there. Still. <laughs> it is interesting. They have like. Like all these little blurbs and stuff, I kind of like scanned through. I didn't really like read everything. There's, it's, it's kind of small, but there's one part on the wall where it's like talking about like the whiskey wars. I guess they called it. Oh yeah, yeah the whiskey wars. And like, there's this picture of like this little drawing of this house, and I was like, I know that building. And it was like, yeah, this was like one of the things that got blown up. This was Corbin's or whatever. I forget like the guy's first name, but like this Corbin <laughs> guy had these bars that got blown up with dynamite. And I remember Oof. I saw this building, like one of my friends was like, we were walking around one night and we passed by. It's like, I feel like something bad happened there. And like, I saw him again. I was like, you know what? Something bad did happen there. Someone <laughs> blew it up. <laughs> it went bye-bye. So, uh, I think I'll save more stories about prohibition for next time when we get to the 1920s um but yeah it basically did just start in the 1919s and i i'll finish this off with the uh temperance row i just love the irony of a brewery being in the building where an angry soccer mom started yelling and saying we should get rid of alcohol (laughs) i remember like i didn't know that it was so that this place was so uh whatever i think my mom told me about it. it's like yeah like a lot of the prohibition stuff happened here i was like oh, i don't know and then like i went to the like otterbein cemetery just like i was just walking around with some friends and i saw this crypt that was like 
the superintendent of the anti-saloon league and i was like yep I'm like, oh, so I've he, seen that one before. It's like he was. It's like he, this place is really about it. <laughs> Didn't have a bar in this town until like what the like 15 years ago. So yeah, some of the history of Westerville is interesting. We actually had a speakeasy in Westerville, and Temperance Road just bought the speakeasy, and they're converting it because they're a brewery. So they're going to be basically, you know, having the speakeasy in the middle of Westerville because. Is it the same they building they're in now, or did they buy no, the other part? No, it's slightly down the street. But uh, where is it? What building is it? I mean, to be honest, I don't. I, I can't really say. <laughs> I, I really don't know um, which exact building it was. But uh, Otterbein itself, the university, was a dry campus until I believe like 2015. Really? It might have been. It might have been like 2013 or 14 or somewhere somewhere in the like mid. 2010s. Man, this place just didn't know how to party, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and well, and I think that's so interesting too with the history of Westerville how, and with uh, Otterbein being like liberal arts and tending to be a lot more progressive. I'm very surprised that it stayed that way for so long. I think like, it's it just, was, I feel like it's a tradition thing. It's just see, like, I was kind of thinking the same thing. I don't know. I, I thought it was just very interesting history how prohibition has really affected Westerville and frankly the rest of America it's all we've got (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we've got the underground railroad and the Hanby house that's right I I will say as a kid growing up I uh I learned more about underground railroad and Hanby house and how Westerville contributed to that and uh learned literally nothing about prohibition starting here yeah it was like like I remember learning ago. a lot about prohibition, not a lot, but enough to like really remember a lot of it. But nobody ever says it started right here, and yeah. that's the irony for me. Like I didn't know until a year or two ago where I was just reading about prohibition because a game had come out. I remember my mom mentioned it, like somebody mentioned it, and I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Here, here, this is Ohio. Like, this is Westerville. What happened here? It's like apparently this blew up. I think I first found out about like the Whiskey Wars thing and like the park behind the library, like the little shelter. Like I was, re- like, yeah, you were reading all the plaques back there. Yeah, my friends yeah. were like playing Pokemon Go. I don't play Pokemon Go, and I'm out here reading them because like they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm not playing this game, so I'm gonna learn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna learn about bombs. I'm gonna learn but in a good way. I'm gonna learn about <laughs> trains and trolleys and." blown up bars <laughs> <laughs> well and it's funny just because Westerville's just not that anymore it's not this super strict know, christian to town be... with bombs everywhere and <laughs> i miss the days where there were passenger trains everywhere because sometimes i see like remains of like especially around like galena there's like an old there's like old like railroad trestles like trestle bridges that are just like it's like man it's like i wish there were trains here i'd like to just hop a train and just like it'd be pretty neat to yeah there's just like some there's the uh a train to toledo or something there's, there's like amtrak trains but i don't know if there's any in yeah, ohio well they're pretty much the only trains left at this yeah, point they're, that are private amtrak trains are very from what i know they're like very east coast there's yes, like there's I, ones that go all up and down the east coast i rode on one and then they're probably popular in Europe, too. Washington, D.C. is where I rode on mine. It was pretty fun. I mean, it was COVID, so nobody was on the train besides, like, one lady who walked in eating a chocolate bar, stared at me for a second, and then just turned her back and sat on the other seat. <laughs> I'm like, hi, welcome to my train. There's just me on here, and uh, you're giving me awkward looks. 
<laughs> I'm a people watcher. That's one of the things is I, I'm a people watcher, so I enjoy just like sitting and staring at people and thinking like, where'd you come from? What's your story? All this stuff. Oh yeah. But to I someone get... who notices a people I've watcher, a it's of... like, why is this creep staring at me? I've done a lot of people watching in my day. I've been to like all the concerts I've been to. I've seen a lot of interesting people. I remember I saw. I remember when I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was young, but I went and I saw Van Halen. I saw them in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> and it was at, I believe, the KFC Yum Center. It doesn't matter where it was. The KFC Yum. Yeah. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, a, it's a decent arena. I don't know what goes on there. I've only ever seen concerts there. I've seen Van Halen there, and I've seen Paul McCartney there. But in any case... We're walking up to this place. I'm already seeing drunk people getting dragged out of the <laughs> venue. It's like, ah, oh, this is going to be a good time. Now, mind you, the opening band has not come out yet. We are walking up to the venue. We see this lady getting dragged out, getting kicked <laughs> out, and I'm like, okay. And then, like, we're what sitting. What did you do? <laughs> we're sitting in our seats, you know, in this arena. We're pretty high up, and I just look across the stadium. I'm just seeing people one by one, drunkenly getting dragged. It's like the the. the the opening act hasn't even come out yet. <laughs> like, you came here to see Van Halen with Cool and the gang opening up for him, and you're already getting kicked out. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? Westerville wouldn't have that problem. No. Well, Westerville <laughs> used to be really cool. They used to have the Polaris Amphitheater, and a lot of cool people oh. played there. But now it's now like, it's IKEA. Now it's IKEA and Top Golf. Yeah. What? Well, yeah. That's true. The. uh I love that old parking lot over there. I want to film and take some pictures over there because there's an old parking lot that used to be for the amphitheater. And yeah. it's just so disheveled and dilapidated. And I remember destroyed. I used to like drive by like the old amphitheater like after it closed down before they tore it down. Yeah. I used to think it was a factory. <laughs> like I'd see the tops of the buildings like over like the wall and like the hill and stuff and yeah, I was like I can see that it makes sense. I was like what is that factory and then like I found out it's like that was the Polaris amphitheater. I was like what? And, like I found like my dad was talking about it. it's like yeah man I saw so many like shows there so like Neil Young there I saw all these people there and like well and whatever. think of it from our perspective as audio engineers to have an amphitheater that had so many people playing there so close to us. I know. And like having to drive now minutes. people don't come to Columbus anymore. Now we like when I got to go to places like I got to go to like, I don't know, like Detroit or like I got to go like far away. It's like hey, at least you can get hired as an audio engineer for our uh, off Broadway stuff. We got a really, really strong off really? Broadway. Yeah. Westville has a lot of theater around, and especially in Columbus when you've got, like, Little Mermaid stops by or Les Mis is coming back soon, which I'll probably pay for again because it's my favorite show of all time. But, like, yeah, they need an audio engineer to just show up and work, and they'll pay you for it. It's pretty good. So mm, I look I into look, that stuff. I got to look into that. I've been trying – like, I've it's like you know, like I've been trying to look around for, like, internships and studios. I'm just like, you know what? Internships are not normally paid. But I know that I can get into the theater and I can get paid. Exactly. And well, I've been in the theater world. I've gotten my scars, got earned <laughs> my stripes. <laughs> do you? We talked about this last time. Do you actually have scars from the theater world? I yeah, never got any. I got. But a, I did shoot my finger. I got a scar on the back of my hand from when I got ah, shot right, by the right. table saw. Yeah, you said that and last also time. Screw marks and you know. I got a few. They're not as visible as they used to be, but I look at them and they're I'm still like, there. 
<laughs> I, got I remember war. that fateful day where I nearly lost my hand. I got war wounds, you know. <laughs> this is right. I was in theater. <laughs> so, uh, what do you think happened in 1910 that... Mm, how do I want to word this? That really changed boys in America. That really changed boys? Yes. Hmm. There was a there was something that happened in the 1910s that really changed the way. I don't know how to entirely explain this because it's not as prevalent today as it was throughout the 1900s, but it was something that was established in 1910. I'll say it a million more times. 1910. Um, 1910. That uh really impacted boys growing up and some of the skills that they learn. Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. BSA was formed in February 8th, 1910 by W.D. Boyce. I wish I got more into the Boy Scouts thing. I did Cub Scouts when I was like uh, yeah. eight, and I did it for like a couple months, and I didn't learn anything. So I live with an Eagle Scout, and uh, it's very interesting the things that he's like. Oh yeah, I know how to do this. Yeah, like one of my friends is do. in the Boy Scouts, and like he he knows all about like starting fires and stuff like that, and like all he's like gone camping like everywhere and like hiked in like mountains and stuff. It's like I wish I did all that stuff like Boy Scout retreats. Like, yeah. like that would have been awesome. I was in Cub Scouts when I lived in Georgia as a kid, and then we moved to Ohio. And uh, when we moved here, there weren't really any troops around in Westerville, or at least none that my parents enjoyed. So we just kind of stopped. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, oh, that's all. It's like all I did in Cub Scouts was like I learned. They taught they 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 tried to teach us fishing, but looking back, they did not teach us the right way. They taught us how to fish with lures, but we had bobbers. Because, uh, like, the way you're supposed to fish with a lure is, like, you're slowly reeling in. But then, like, they were saying, like, all right, cast out your thing and then, like, reel in. And then looking back, I was like, we had, like, the bobber set up. You don't do that with bobber. You just leave it out there. Just wait for the fish to come. You don't move it around. <laughs> like, and then, like, they had us shooting BB guns. They had us, like, lay down on mattresses. Like, like we were really at the range. Like, these are these are BB guns. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want me to do with this? There was a drill. Like, there was like a drill sergeant guy that was talking about like drinking water, like being hydrated. And I'm like, what is like, what is <laughs> like looking back? I'm like, what, what were they doing? <laughs> so that, that really does explain it. Cause uh boy scouts has a lot of military influence. Like, and that's where a lot of that just strange stuff that we, uh, we don't really see in our lives anymore. Like, America's, I mean, America's still very Ameri militaristic, but the, the Americana, <laughs> like the the, the old-fashioned Americana, like going oh, out, yeah, okay. and like camping. Like. I was gonna say, you just said the Americana, and <laughs> my hands froze in the air, and I just gave him a look, like, what? <laughs> what about it? Yeah, the, that old-fashioned Americana military tradition, all that stuff that influenced, like the 30s and 40s and 50s from all that propaganda from the 1910s and just all of that is just gone. America's not quite the same way it was 100 years ago, so BSA has adapted to it, but it's you know still got some of those older traditions where yeah. it works for some kids, but for kids who have never had that in their life, like I have military people in my family, but none of them have ever been militaristic towards me. 
as in like they never really talk about it or do anything. My grandpa worked at a tank plant, and I got to ride in a tank. That's awesome. But I'm... he never acted like a drill sergeant or anything. So oh yeah. Cub Scouts, when you go there, and you know you have that guy in charge who's like, "All right, this is what you are going to do. You are going to set up the campfire." And you're like, they didn't even do uh-huh. that. Like they didn't do that for me. I wish they would. I wish they taught me how to like set up <laughs> campfires. They were like, "Oh, you're gonna drink water, and your pee is gonna be clear." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what my football coach yelled at me in seventh grade. And I said, "All right, never playing football again. This is weird." Like, yeah, I was like, I remember like, even oh, why the, would you say this to a twelve-year-old? Even at the time, I was like, "Why are you saying this? Like, why, why are we talking about this? Why are we, why are we talking about drinking water? Like, water is just... I mean, at the time, I was water a dumb, is water. I mean, I was a dumb little kid. I didn't appreciate water like I do now. Now, I water is a very indispensable part of oh, my yeah. day. The amount of water that I drink during the day. Could probably kill a man half my size. I carry around this sixty-four ounce hydro flask. I, <laughs> I, I didn't buy it though. Thirsty boys. I, I got thirsty. it from somewhere. I got it from somebody, but I just drink water out of it every day. That's right. Well, it's great to drink water. Mm-hmm. But uh, definitely, as a kid, it was like, why would I want to have water when I can have Coca-Cola? <laughs> nah, not for me anymore. I used I, to not like like pepsi and coke because i was like ew they're like dark drinks and they look grody <laughs> but then there was one time like you know what got me into it what i Mountain saw Dew. i saw a michael jackson pepsi commercial from the 80s the and one I was, where he burned his hair no 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 the one where it's like the kids that are like dancing in the street and he's like drinking like this kid's like drinking a can of coke and he moonwalks in the like and he bumps into michael jackson and they all start dancing it's like <laughs> billy jean I saw that and I was like, I want to dance with Michael Jackson. I was like, that is so cool. I got to <laughs> drink Pepsi. It must be awesome. And then like I tried Pepsi and I was like, this is awesome. This is the best drink ever. <laughs> and then I tried Coke and I was like, this is also really good. So and now like, like when I drink pop, like I almost exclusively drink like colas now. I love colas. I like my dark sodas, you know. I don't know why. Yeah, pretty good. They got a bite. Growing up, I was not allowed to have anything that had caffeine in it, so I had Sprite, ginger ale, root beer. That's pretty much it. <laughs> so I used to, like, that I type used to of really stuff. like root beer. Oh, I love. I still love root beer. I really I like just, root beer. I love root beer, but uh, when it when I eventually hit that age where I was allowed to have caffeinated stuff, like I might have a Dr Pepper here and there, but I really didn't have caffeinated stuff anymore because I didn't grow up that way and then now as an adult whenever I go to like Cane's or something I'm like huh guess I'll get a Dr. Pepper or you know I'll grab a Pepsi or something and I'm just uh, I was out at the store a couple weeks ago and they had RC Cola which is terrible I have never tried RC Cola it's like you know when you can't afford anything like you I've tried can afford a lot of different RC colas. cola i've tried a few different colas but that's the one that's just like it's not really a white whale to me it's just i see it and i'm like i want to try that but i don't really want to buy a whole bunch of it in case i don't like it because yeah, it does it don't i've only ever seen it come in like big can like boxes and like two liters i've never exactly. seen it come in like regular like 12 whatever ounce bottles it's just a cheap cola knockoff of Pepsi and Coke. It's this. It, it's eh. It's but weird because it I calls just, itself Royal Crown, but everyone talks about how bad it is. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Is it's just it's kind of eh. But I uh, I enjoyed it. I grabbed it uh, a couple weeks ago and I had it and was like, huh. This is one of the first times I've ever had a caffeinated drink in an 
enjoyed it as much as I have. And then I've been buying RC Cola because I can't really afford the Pepsi or the Coke. Like when I'm out shopping, I'm broke college student, so I'm just like, okay, I have $100 or, you know, however my budget is for the week. And I'll be like, okay, so I can afford to go a little bit more extravagant on this because this is one of my favorite meals. But uh, I don't drink a lot of soda, so we're going to get RC Cola instead of Pepsi. <laughs> or, you know, the cheap knockoff stuff. I just bought Stars and Stripes, the uh, the soda that's that comes in like six liter gallons, just massive, and it sells for like 75 cents. I've never just, seen that. Well, so for me, when I was in Georgia and whenever I visited, there was a bowling alley that had, I think it was actually called Stars and Stripes, um, but it had these massive, massive, you know, giant liters of uh, Stars and Stripes. And then here in Ohio, uh, I think they're sold at, I, I picked mine up from Kroger the other day, but it's generally sold at like dollar stores and it's the soda in the dollar stores that just, they come in these huge, massive, massive containers. And you're like, why is it so cheap? <laughs> And then you look at the nutrition, and you're like, ah, yes, 99% sugar. Not that high, but generally it's just, you know, most of it's sugar and water. And you're like, well, of course, you know, at least Coke and root beer and all those different things have different flavors put in there, which yeah, change like the price. Yeah, I store and, brand, like, colas of stuff. like that are sugar supposed and water. To be, like, they, they just add more sugar and add more water. Like, especially, like, with, like, breakfast cereals, they're, like, store brand. They add, they just put more sugar in it or oh, something. Oh, I was at Kroger. They had their knockoff Captain Crunch brand, and it was one of those massive. Oh, I can't even remember. I used to get it a lot as a kid because I love Captain Crunch. But uh, basically, it was a giant, giant bag of it, like the size of my neck to like my knee, oh, and it was my. like a dollar twenty-five. Oh, like, like the Costco bags of like cereal. Exactly, and it was it was just so cheap compared to the main brand stuff, and I'm like. Is that because it's easy to make or yeah. something else in there? <laughs> oh, I never really could get into cereals ever since I was little. I really tried. I liked them a lot as a kid, but now as an adult, the whole part of a balanced breakfast means that, you I'm know. More, I was always more of an oatmeal kid, like the maple and brown sugar, like Quaker Oats oatmeal. I didn't get into that until high school. I, I loved it when I was a kid, and I still love it. It's still pretty I, good, yeah. I ate some this morning. Like, <laughs> I love that stuff. I had uh, Raisin Bran is one of the healthiest cereals you can eat. Cereal's not very healthy for you. But yeah. uh, I had like an off-brand Raisin Bran that wasn't Raisin Bran, and it was meant to be for, and not necessarily for losing weight, but for you know still getting that enjoyment of eating cereal without get your fiber exactly so it had a lot of fiber in it it had like almond slices and raisins and uh i think it had some coconut slices and just various interesting things in there i'm like huh this is the cereal i wish i had as a kid but i know as a kid i would have been like oh it's got coconut it's got almonds i'm not gonna like it i want the sugar (laughs) i don't know like i never really ate cereal I, i ate it dry and like it depended I still on, eat it dry. It and depended on what it was. I used to <laughs> eat Count Chocula dry. Yum. And I liked that. I used to eat the marshmallows out of the Lucky Charms and not the other <laughs> part. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's because nobody actually likes the rest of it. Like, if you're going to eat dry cereal, you're going to eat Captain Crunch or anything else yeah. that, like, at least has slight flavor to it. I remember, like, 
I remember. I don't remember when it came out. It was like uh, it was when the Amazing Spider-Man came out because there was like a cereal for it. It was like a Spider-Man cereal, and I got it. And like, cause I was like, I want to try cereal. It's like I want to get in the cereal. I'm missing out. All these people I know are in the cereal, but I I don't like it. I'm gonna try this cereal. And like, I did the whole thing. You know, the milk and the and the cereal yeah. and whatnot. And I was like, I I ate it. I ate like two or three spoonfuls of it. And I was like, this is awful. <laughs> Most of the name brand cereal stuff is terrible yeah so that came out in 2012 it was like amazing spider-man the amazing spider-man oh oh pictures of this this looks so bad from the pictures it's just like blue and red it's just like bright colored cereal and i was like maybe i like this looks (laughs) cereally the kellogg's the amazing spider-man limited edition spidey berry (laughs) and it's it's like was the honey cereal it was like hives or something and it was just a whole bunch of things that looked like beehives except it was a honey cereal and that's what this looks like it's a whole bunch of just kind of octagonal it's supposed to be red little, little spider webs yeah spider webs like red webs and then there's just green i think this is supposed to be the lizard's head i don't remember i don't remember there being green i remember it being red and blue I might be wrong though, but I don't know if you can see this through the. Uh, <laughs> that looks kind of like it. But exactly through the uh, through there, but uh, this is not something I, I even as an adult or a kid I would look at and go, "I'm eating that." Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, here's a little bit. So, okay. Probably the best cereal experience I ever had was when I was at my cousin's house a long time ago, and he's like, "You like cereal?" And I was like, "No, I don't like cereal." And he's like. It's like, I got Cocoa Pebbles. Like, do you like chocolate? I was like, yeah, I like Count Chocula. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get some Count Chocula. I'm going to get some Cocoa Pebbles. I'm going to put some chocolate milk in there. And I was like, not when you, well, first you have my curiosity, but now you have my attention, you know, <laughs> to quote Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained. So then he pours me this bowl. I, didn't, I don't remember if I ate all of it, but. I remember really liking it because I was like, this chocolate and there's more chocolate. <laughs> it's like, I don't like regular milk, but I like chocolate milk. I don't know why. Like, I never like. I never liked the milk. Tastes like heavy water. See, I started putting in oat milk instead because oat milk has different flavor to it than regular milk. And you know how very millennial of me to start putting in these different types of yeah milk. You know, oat and soy and all I that. I used but, to. I started putting milk in my in my oatmeal like a little bit ago, like fairly recently. But yeah, then like it, it was when I was the living in the texture a little bit. It was really good. And I was, it was when I was living with my mom and then I went and lived with my dad. He doesn't really buy milk. He doesn't really use it. So then I'm like, I use water again. I'm like, man, I kind of wish I had milk, <laughs> but I don't want to buy milk. If I'm only going to use it for oatmeal, that's just a waste of milk. <laughs> I accidentally put water into my cereal it's probably when I first moved in and I didn't realize I had put water in there and I looked down and I'm like, where's the milk? <laughs> and then I look at my hand and I'm like, oh, this is our gallon of water that we have. Oh, no. I didn't even try it. I just threw it out. I'm like, this is going to be awful. Oh, man. One time I was like, I was like, I want milk. I don't have any milk. I want to make this oatmeal even like better. So I was like, I saw some coffee creamer in the fridge and I was like, I was like, that's, that's like milk. So I used it. 
It should be pretty good. No, it was god awful. It was oh. way too sweet. <laughs> okay, that's what I was gonna say. I'm like, hey, you could put some sweetness in there. I understand. It's that. Like, I feel like it's too sweet. Yeah, it was too much. I feel like if I used a little bit and then just watered it down, it probably would have been better. But no, like I just used. It was thicker, and it was just. Uh, it was. It was bad. It was very bad. Cause it's just concentrated, just milk. I don't know what creamer is made out of. It kind of, kind of worries me. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what it is that it's made out of exactly. I know it's cream, obviously, but like, it's like what, what more is there going on in there? So I'm looking at a picture right now of your Spider-Man cereal. My Spider-Man cereal. And it is a picture that, well. It is a larger picture that encapsulates uh, three other pictures. It looks like Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 were the Spidey Berries that had the red and blue and <laughs> that kind of like Captain Crunch, Rice Krispie, yeah. tan looking color. And then Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man is the one that's like blood red spider webs with the green marshmallows inside of it. So, uh... I think I would eat the Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3 cereals or give them a try because they don't they don't look as strange as, you know, basically the Amazing Spider-Man cereal looks like it's just hot Cheetos <laughs> mixed with green, like, boogers. Like, who designed this? And the design of it is so bad because the Spider-Man, the suit is so dark. Like, On the, the, like in the box? Yeah, on the box, it's so much darker than the actual <laughs> Spider-Man suit is. It's like this really, really muted red, and I'm like, "Well, that's not—that's not the Amazing Spider-Man suit that uh, Andrew Garfield wore. Like, it's the—it's the same design of it, but it's a different color." I don't know. I think I—I I didn't even finish one bowl of it, and I was just totally done with it. Like, I really tried. Like, I tried it. It's like, oh, it's like I feel like this should be somewhat good. But just, man, just wasn't working. Now, in terms of cereal that I got into recently, when I was at uh, my audio engineering school, I was I was shopping one night, grocery shopping at the, at the local Walmart. And I ran into somebody there who was like, he was one of the people I was going there with because uh, he was starting to intern there. And, like... I'm literally, like, in the dairy section, like, grabbing, like, I don't know what the heck I was grabbing. Probably, like, Danimals or, like, oh. whatever. <laughs> and, like, I got my headphones in, and I just feel this hand just grab me. I'm, like, and I jumped. It scared it scared me to death. And then, like, I turn around, and it's him. I'm, like, oh, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Why would you do this? I was, like, what's up, man? And he's, like, oh, you know, just grocery shop. He was a cool dude. I liked him, but he's, like. And boundaries. He's walking kinda. around. He's like, "You ever had these?" I'm like, "No, no, I've never had those." He's like, "Oh man, these are these are banging. You gotta have these." And like, he shows me these cereal bars. And I'm like, "What are these?" And it's like, "You ever have these?" I'm like, "No, they look kind of good though." And he's like, "Man, these are fire. You gotta have these." <laughs> and it was like, I think I got like golden grams. And man, I was eating those like every morning on my way to like lecture and stuff. I was like, I walked up and was like, "Hey, Kevin." It's like, I got those cereal bars. I held one up, and he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had one as a kid. I was at a friend's house for a sleepover, and we all watched Kung Fu Panda. But I had to be – and they had, like, a projector in their basement, and it was, like, this huge sleepover. They had the little, home, was like, little home theater setup. Exactly. Um, and 
the next morning I had to be really I, I had to be up at like 7 a.m. for basketball which is funny because I don't play basketball anymore and I stopped very early in my life so I don't remember where this memory was from but it was from early enough that I was still playing basketball and I got up and um, my friend's mom asked me oh do you want anything for breakfast or something your mom said she's going to come pick you up right away and you're going to go straight to your basketball game uh, but I'd be happy to make you something so that way you have some energy. I'm like, oh, no, you know, I, I don't want to put you through that. I'm fine without anything. And then she pulls out the cereal bars. <laughs> and she shows me a box. And she's like, are you sure you don't want these Honey Nut Cheerio cereal bars? Like, you can try one. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> so I, I tried it. Well, if you insist. <laughs> I, I didn't have another cereal bar from, like, fourth or fifth grade until I went on vacation two weeks ago where it was early in the morning and my family wasn't going to be getting breakfast while we were on the road, or at least I can't remember if we got it later or whatever happened. So I was like, yeah, well, I'm drinking coffee. That makes me hungry, and I'm not someone who drinks coffee, so it affects me a lot more. So I need something in my stomach to digest. And I was in the gas station because we were stopping for a bathroom break, and I saw a Honey Nut Cheerio cereal bar. This is basically <laughs> 20 years after I had the last one. I had it, and I was like, oh, why did I ever stop eating these? It's like, it's like why just once? <laughs> I, I love them. They're, they're so good, and they're not carried as much as they used to be when yeah. we were kids. But I don't understand why they're so good. <laughs> I remember I bought a big box of those, like... Uh, not a big box, but it was a decent sized box of like the uh, the Golden Grams bars, and like I took, I brought them home because I had extras when I got back, and like I was like, "Hey, Dad, you ever have these?" He's like, "No, man." And then like I see him eating them. Like I remember one time, like I came into the living room and I saw one like up on the counter, like he was eating one. And I was like, "Yeah, you like those, don't you?" <laughs> They're good. They're just some of the things. So, Danimals, for instance. I didn't oh, really drink that a lot as a kid. I loved Danimals. My roommate... Danimals was, like... It was great. All that just, stuff. Like, Yogos, if you remember what those were. I don't they remember were just those. yogurt balls. Those are just frozen yogurt balls. I don't remember those. Kind of like Gushers. I remember, like, one time... I think me and my brother used to... We used to go to, like, Meyer like, really late at night for just no reason. And, uh... And, like, I remember one time I just, like, jokingly was talking about Danimals, and, like, we got some, and, like, I was drinking them, I was like, man, like, these are good. <laughs> these are still really good. <laughs> and I was still buying them at, like, when I was in, when I was at school and stuff. <laughs> well, it's a shame how expensive they are and how little you get, because yeah. they're so good. Like, at audio engineering school, I was still, like, getting some, and, like, one of my friend Anthony saw me with them, he's like, oh, you got those Danimals? I'm like, of course, bro, I drink those Danimals. So, uh... <laughs> My roommate and I, uh, we danimal each other. So is, is that like icing? People? I was gonna say it's just like icing, <laughs> where you know you're walking around, you randomly come across a Smirnoff ice, and you got to get down on one knee and drink it. Except we do it with danimals. So you'll be walking around the apartment, and then you'll just run into a danimal, and then like we've been joking around, and we make it a huge deal. Like, oh man, I, oh, you just, man, I was enjoying my day, and you just. You just danimals to me. 
So you then animaled me. The other one pulls out the camera and starts filming, and it's like, all right, all right, you just got to animals. What are you gonna do? And you know, we're freaking out back and forth. And he goes, oh, well, I guess I'm just gonna have to. And he just rips off the top, gets on one knee, and starts <laughs> chugging the animal. He's done in like three seconds. There's just a little bit of yogurt going down his lip, and it's like. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> We're, I love uh, animals so much. I've been danimalzing, danimaling my friends lately. It's been great to just be like, "Oh, hey, man, how are you doing?" Go in for a handshake, and then there's a danimals in my hand, and they're just like, "Oh." <laughs> I love all that stuff. Like, like I just, I'm just a child when it comes to some foods. Like, you know, sometimes I'll go and I'll get like fruit by the foots and like stuff. Like oh that. yeah, I fruit by the foot was just like. I used to, like peel it, yeah, you know, like so good, yeah. I want like fruit roll ups and stuff. I used to call. I didn't know the difference between them, like in terms of name, because they're so similar. They're basically the same, but one is really long and one is just a square. I used to call them <laughs> fufo fups when I was. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna have some fufo fups. <laughs> Yum. So I'm gonna bring us back on track for a little bit longer because uh, we're almost yeah, at we're... two hours and uh. I, I've got something at 5.15. <laughs> so uh, right after Arizona becomes the 48th state, um, a bad thing happens. What uh, happened? Have you ever heard of the HMS Titanic? Yes. Yeah, they died. That was one of the biggest maritime disasters of Well, the hey, time. there's something good that came from the Titanic. What? They standardized... Uh, what SOS means for ships. So if your ship is ever in distress, you now put out SOS, dot, 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 dash, dot, dash, dot, dot, dot. Dit, 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 da, 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 dit, dit, dit. Yes. That's, that's, what my, that's what my vibration thing on my phone is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they did that because, you know, Titanic was like, help, please, we are in danger. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah, they're like, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, we got a few ships like, heading yeah, that way, yeah, and it's yeah. like, no, SOS, like, save yeah, our yeah, souls. Yeah, yeah, screw you, buddy. I think uh, I actually heard that the SOS isn't even like an acronym. That's just the only like letters of like um, Morse code that just like stand out, like just that pattern of like dits and das, just like. Yeah, I'm For not sure. For some reason, that one is just really just like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, that one's different from everyone else. Yet another thing to add to my list of <laughs> TV I I, and I research got, to do. I got curious about it, and I was like, is it really like an acronym? What does it stand for? And it's like, apparently, it doesn't stand for anything. It's just people applied the the thing later, and I was like, that's awesome. Like, Save it, our ship. That's what it is? Yep. Uh... <laughs> It was coined by sailors, SOS. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense instead of save our souls. But uh, uh. so moving on a little bit, um, have you ever heard of the Panama Canal? I've heard a little bit about it. So especially after the blockage this past year with the Panama Canal. And I thought it was the Suez Canal. Oh, it might have been something. I don't know. It was a canal canal, you know? Yeah, canal. So <laughs> with the Panama Canal, um, the Panama Railway steamship SS Ancon uh, it was the first ever steamship to pass through the Panama Canal on August 15th, 1914. What was the name of the ship again? SS Ancon. 
A N C O N. Good job, SS Ancon. You made it happen for everybody. That's right. Let's would... give a round of applause for the SS Ancon. I'm glad that we still use steamships, you know? Uh, they, they, that didn't go out with the SS Ancon, too. Shout out the SS Ancon. Uh, so, this one's very interesting, actually. So, President Woodrow Wilson signed the Jones Shafroth Act on March 2nd, 1917 which establishes U.S. citizenship for residents of Puerto Rico. Hmm. That is uh, that's pretty interesting. I didn't realize that happened in the 1910s. I mean, of course it had to have happened at some point, but yeah. I was like, I, I, I wouldn't, if someone were to ask me, what year did Woodrow Wilson do this? I'd be like, like Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow who? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a pretty forgettable president, but I, I, I just would like, have been like, what year? Kind of a lot of the presidents around that time, like Calvin Coolidge and stuff like oh, that. People yeah. don't really... Well, I mean, like I remember, I mentioned him like one time. I was like, "Yeah, Calvin Coolidge." Like, who is that? I was like, he was a president. <laughs> After Lincoln, it was just kind of like, uh, what? <laughs> Up until about FDR, there like nobody really knew who the yes. president was. Those poor guys between so, Lincoln and FDR. So we talked a bit about World War One earlier. Uh, it started in 1914 and in ni- and ended in 1918. In 1917, America joined the war. <laughs> Just like in uh, World War II, where we're always late to the party. Yeah. But, like, the Europeans can deal with the Europeans. Ah, they just shot at us, too. Well, we're shooting back. You know, I think I have... I just remembered, because you brought up the Panama Canal, and I was thinking about canals. There was one thing that happened in the 1910s. It was the... uh, I believe it was 1910, or it might have been slightly before... But the Ohio Erie Canal was shut down. It oh. was it was abandoned because it fell into disuse uh. around the early 1900s. But then there was like a big storm and a lot of rainfall that like basically flooded it out, and it was disused. And I only know this because I work at a place that is built upon the Ohio Erie Canal, and. Uh, there's like a little historical plaque out in front of it. So in turn, by being there and being around there, I, I, I ended up learning a lot more than I would have thought about the Ohio Erie Canal. Interesting. It opened in 1827, but I can't find where it closed. It was like, it was a storm or something that happened in like around 1910 or maybe might have been earlier. It was in the aughts, but... Or the tens. I can't remember, but... <laughs> it was in history at some point. It, was, it closed in 1913. That's it, because it was a storm. It was, like, really heavy rainfall, and I think it was, like, nine inches of rain. That Very heavy rainfall, uh, which led to flooding, which basically it flooded very important parts of the canal, and then... But by that time, it was already, like, nobody really used it. Like, it was kind of, like, fell into disuse, and then the flood happened, and they're like, okay, we're done with this now. Fill her up. It was basically 1827 to 1861 was when there was a lot of traffic and freight traffic and moving of shipments. And then after 1861, like, 1862, um, it kind of just became as a water source. Uh, So for people to move up and down the canal and stuff, and then... 1913 hit and people just couldn't repair the canal and also they're like like we don't we don't need this this is stupid we have trains so my last fact of the day uh, we've already talked a bit about prohibition which was january 16th 1919 um 
something you brought up at the very beginning. What? Eight members of the Chicago White Sox are yes. banned for life. Shoeless Joe Jackson. From. <laughs> That's it. I was one of the guys. <laughs> what a name, Shoeless. I don't remember how he got the name, but. Yes, they, I used uh, to be very obsessed with baseball, so I knew about Shoeless Joe Jackson and Babe Ruth <laughs> and Honus Wagner and stuff like that. Ty Cobb. So they're banned for life for uh, intentionally losing games, which allowed the Cincinnati Reds to win the 1919 World Series. And that sucks. The Reds suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know enough about baseball to disagree or agree. <laughs> But yeah, there's our there's our 1910s history and review of the decade that took about two hours to go through. It's such an interesting decade with so much that happened. Yeah. It was just... Like, we got canals closing, we got Jack Johnson. We've got, we got the got bloodiest w- war in the entire human history <laughs> World until War 1940. One, Titanic, eight men out. All this, all this crazy Every, stuff. Yeah, the and, and a lot of it is so, like historical like we grew up knowing these things but not really knowing the decade so uh i believe tupperware was created in like the 40s and that's one of the things i'll bring up when we get to the 40s was that tupperware and sliced bread in the 20s and just all these random inventions that we've taken for granted that have been made over the course of time you're just like huh well i guess it makes sense that it was invented at some point in history but strange that it was this decade yeah that is really weird to think about. I had a whole bunch of... Oh, here it is. Uh, I suppose a few more facts. I've got a little bit more time. Um, 1910, electric washing machines become popular in American homes, which is ironic because then they hit the 20s and the 30s with the Great Depression and... Uh, Nobody could afford one. I was going to say, <laughs> then you lose it all. Uh, but it's the same thing with cars in 1913. Um, the Bell Telephone Company creates a research and development division, which doesn't really mean much besides telephones were getting better from the 1880s or whatever when they were made. I can't imagine, like, the telephones back then, like, that didn't even have dials. They were <sighs> just cranks and they had bells on them. Like, I see those in antique shops. I'm like, how did you use that? Like, did you just, like, was there always just an operator on the other end just like, oh, yes, connect me to 2544556, uh, Roger. Like, oh yeah, plug her in. We'll go ahead and do that for you. It's like, oh my gosh, that just seems so inconvenient. It's like I just want to call my friend Harry and ask him if he's going <laughs> to the baseball game on Friday. <laughs> I, I don't want it to be a thirty-minute ordeal just to have a thirty-second conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in 1911, the word vitamin was coined. Vitamin. Which is another thing where it's like, I kind of figured that word had been around forever, but 1911. Interesting. You know, that kind of sounds like a very 1910 word. Vitamin. Yes, or vitamin, as it is spelled. So on August 1st, this one's really interesting. If you like Amelia Earhart and uh, history, Harriet Quimby becomes the first licensed female pilot. Hmm. I, I thought it was Amelia Earhart. Yeah, no, you're, you're, you're wrong. I am You're very wrong. wrong. Very SOS, wrong. Save Our Ship, is adopted in 1912. Uh rights after or right before i I can't quite decide um titanic happens uh henry ford assembly line in 1913 uh the russian-born american aeronautical engineer igor 
Sikorsky uh, builds and flies the first multi-motored airplane, mm. as in multiple motors, which is a pretty huge leap. A lot of aviation stuff happened wasn't in 1912 to 13. Wasn't like commercial air travel in the 1910s? I might be wrong. I have or at no least idea. Passenger planes. I mean, yeah, you're starting to get into. I don't know. I don't know. So I remember like around that time because like. Well, no, it couldn't have been that soon because the Wright brothers like made their made it all happen in like 1901 or like 1903, like really early 1900s, and like by around like it's weird how they like use them, like how they flew them because they had to like lie down on their stomachs and like yeah. operate these hand cranks, and then eventually and they had they to were, like jump from a hill. But then they like no, they had like a a weird rail system that had oh. like a weight that like made it go right right it like shot it yeah pretty much and then like then eventually they were able to sit up and then have like you know their little hand crank i think you're right lever deals the first all metal airplane was created in germany in 1915 so i'm sure that led to because aviation just i think once commercial it was made, air it travel just... was probably be- i'm gonna say between the 1910s and the 1940s so the first transcontinental telephone line, the telephone line itself, was created, or sorry, was completed in 1914. But it wasn't until 1915 that Alexander Graham Bell uh, called San Francisco from New York. San Fran. San Fran. Good old San Fran. Uh, a there was a jump in telescope history in 1917. Um, are you familiar with traffic lights? Somewhat. And the design of red, yellow, green, or in this case, red, amber, green. It was first created in 1918. And since that point, there was a lot of traffic lights that uh, were patented. Um, There was one that basically just said, stop, go, and would flip between the two. And that's not a very good one because, you know. Because you never know when it's going to stop. Yes, exactly. But, you know, so that's why yellow was added in there. I um, can't imagine, you know. I remember there was one part in, like, this is this has nothing to do with but it just reminded me of it in, like, Twin Peaks. There's, like, this part where he's, like, like Agent Cooper is, like, talking to this guy. It's like, you know, this is one of those towns where yellow lights means slow down instead of speed up. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you know what? I was like, as someone who likes to speed up, they're in some yellow lights you know i could it's like maybe like it hit me i was like why are you calling me out like that come on <laughs> 1919 was a great year for uh radio and media 1919 started with shortwave radio being invented uh, and amateur radio operators taking to the airwaves so am radio um and then a, man, a mechanical system for transmitting television pictures is patented. So the ability to, you know, basically play TV shows on televisions. Um, Did Orson Welles start doing, like, being in theater and stuff in the yep, 1910s? He was, he was around that time, too. Yep. And then you have uh, Lockheed produces the hydraulic braking system for automobiles. So the ability to have hydraulic brakes which is to be able to stop (laughs) well they had brakes before but they didn't have hydraulic brakes hydraulic brakes make it so much smoother and easier to stop um that's good that they did that 
1919, um, this has all been 1919, May 19th, uh, Albert Einstein's general theory of relativity, relativity is confirmed by astronomers, um, accepted into the scientific community. Um, John Alcock and Arthur Witten Brown make the first nonstop aerial crossing of the Atlantic, which huge 1910s like that is going huge. from the Wright brothers in 1901 or three or whatever it was yeah, and like to kill being devil. able to fly over the ocean like being in from kill devil hills to the atlantic ocean Woo! now the last thing that happened in 1919 i'm sure there was more that happened but the last important thing everything that i'm going to talk about in 1919 a lot of stuff happened in 1919 it was like well to be fair that's they're about to go into their golden era yeah. And then crash. Yeah, so, about to go into the roaring 20s. Exactly. Um, so, in 1919, we talked a little bit uh, at the beginning of the year, there was the shortwave radio, and now the RCA, Radio Corporation of America, is founded um, to help control those shortwave uh, radio length amateur operators. That's what RCA stands for? They're the Radio Corporation of America, so they helped implement rules for radio. Oh. So, yes, a lot of interesting stuff happened in 1919. Uh, thank you for being on the show today. <laughs> I'm going to oh, no make it more of a quicker intro than our long wind, or outro than our long winded ones that we normally do. But yeah, thanks for being on the show today. Um, next week, we're going to do some 1920s. If you want to, I, I wanted. I kept you in the dark this week, so that way I wanted to hear a little bit of your guessing and what you thought about history. And how did I do? You did pretty good. You did a lot better than I was expecting. I was expecting you to go for almost every one. I don't know that. Oh, but I knew <laughs> World War One was in 1910s, yeah. 1911 or something. Um, not saying anything like negative about your history knowledge, but I just mean a lot of people don't know a lot of history that happened in 1910. To, Some of that to, stuff was new to me. It's like they always say, those who don't learn their history are doomed to, to repeat, repeat it. it. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, join us next week for the 1920s. This is Retrospection Radio Hour. I have been your host, Noah. And I have been Nate. You're listening to 97.5 WOBN, The, the Wild, Wild Card. Card. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you on the flip side. You be safe out there, everybody. I love you all. <laughs>